I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of plants for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. My thanks to this week's sponsor, Warfield Plants, Hollyhead Road, Wolverhampton. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice uh, and hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries along the way. Following a week off through the Christmas and New Year, we're back Full of vim and vigour, I hope. First of all, uh, I wish you a very successful gardening new year and feel uh, somehow that we're in for a really good one. Perhaps it was uh, those mild days earlier this week when it was a joy to be out in the garden, continuing the big winter clean-up. It was there that I noticed the first yellow winter aconites opening their flowers. A sure sign of spring on its way, eh? White buds too, pushing up among snowdrop leaves. And clean, unweather damaged winter jasmine. Oh, and uh, one or two of the very first flowers on Japanese quince kynomalies. I spent uh, two days working through container-grown perennials and woody plants, trimming off uh, dead leaves and flower stems, uh, cutting back some of the grasses and tipping plants out of their pots to remove any lurking mollusks uh, and checking root activity and uh, potting on into larger sizes of containers where uh, the roots were uh, really thick and needing more space. I have several uh, seven-litre pots of sky-high lily bulbs and uh, tapping those out the roots were really active, so uh, some of the old compost was raked away from the top. They were potted on with the bulbs well down in a larger size of container and uh, filled with some new potting compost, although a couple of inches left at the top. I like in the spring to put a little bit of well-rotted manure around lilies so that uh, when those new shoots come through and uh, adventitious roots come out from that stem growth, they push into the manure. Boy, they love that. And it will give uh, huge, very fragrant flowers. One bowl of primroses were suffering and it was no surprise to find those dastardly little white curled C-shaped larvae of vine weevil had eaten through roots. I tipped the lot out and carefully checking through the compost managed to uh, select all those little larvae, left them on a pot saucer on the picnic table and uh, our friendly Robin soon pecked those up. He must have thought it was Christmas lunchtime. So what's news? 
since uh, we spoke last time? Well, I've been asked to uh, draw horticultural students' attention to scholarships offered by the David Colgrave Foundation. Applications have to be in by the end of this month, and there's some £30,000 available for student scholarships and grants. I mean, it starts at uh, £1,000 a time, student scholarships to buy books, equipment and that kind of thing. And then there are four Blue Diamond uh, scholarships at two and a half thousand a time. Majestic Trees are offering three thousand to include finance to travel abroad and uh, study specimen tree production. Just uh, check out on the web David Colgrave Foundation, or uh, I think there's a new listing on LinkedIn, David Colgrave Foundation. The fashion colour for 2022 has been announced as Pantone Perry, a lavender blue. And Ball Colgrave have been quick to list over 30 of their cultivars suited to the 2022 colour shade. Uh, They were promptly followed by Syngenta flowers listing uh, some 50 in both annual and perennial categories. Or perhaps I might be excused for including Verbena Seabrook's lavender. Good to find that I'm leading the fashion colour. I was reassured to receive a message from respected horticultural commentator John Sutton, who said, Thanks for plants of Verbena Margaret's memory. It gave the most impressive performance planted in a large patio container where it flowered and flowered and flowered. Well, uh, with uh, luck and a mildish winter, John, it should give you even more colourful blooms next year. Cheviot trees have introduced a biodegradable tree stem protector to uh, replace the single-use plastic ones seen spiralling around so many newly planted saplings in uh, hedges and roadsides. FLS, Forestry and Land Scotland, used 200,000 a year and the new introduction, made from polymers reclaimed from biomass, will save many forestry workers hours gathering up all those old plastic ones. I'm very pleased to welcome to uh, today's interview Richard Salmon, who is a, a lawn care consultant. And I suppose we get more questions about looking after lawns and uh, how you put them down and how you care for them than anything else. Too many people, I think, just sow a bit of seed or put a bit of turf down and then think that that's it. But I'm afraid there is a little bit more to it. That would be correct, Richard, wouldn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, there's a a whole variety of different types of grasses, but uh, they do take some looking after, which is why golf courses and sports fields look their best, because they get some regular attention. If you neglect a lawn, it won't look as good as that. So where do we start? I mean, do we start by talking about some of the different grasses that we use for domestic turf care? And uh, I mean, grass breeding has really come on in the last sort of 10 to 20 years to the point where it was always thought if you wanted a good lawn, you'd have to sow a fescue type grass. The sort of the grass you see outside of the Cambridge College is a really fine leaved grass. But in growing a fescue lawn, they do have their 
challenges when it comes to managing them because they, they can grow quite thick and thatchy which means they would need a lot more regular care so they're, they're quite difficult lawns to manage but what's happened in the last sort of say 10 to 20 years they've done some really good work with perennial ryegrass which is um the sort of grass that I sort of grew up on when I was studying agriculture at Rittle, perennial ryegrass is always a fleshy type grass that you'd feed cattle on to grow milk or beef. But they've got the, all the good attributes of perennial ryegrass in the fact that it's dark green and shiny and easier to manage. But they've now bred it so it's a really fine leaf. Um, so a lot of lawns can be sown with the dwarf perennial ryegrass. Not only do they look better, but they're a lot easier to manage afterwards. Yes, when I first came into the trade, some shall we say less scrupulous companies would sell agricultural ryegrass for lawns and boy they came up quick but they oh. ran your knees before you know where you were <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're very hungry hungry grass but yeah very very vigorous but the perennial ryegrass they're breeding now is, is called a dwarf perennial ryegrass so it has a so all, all the good features that perennial ryegrass has but it doesn't grow as quite as big and fleshy as the grass you've just described and if you go to buy lawn grass seed if you look at the pack it will actually say in very small print what's in there, won't they? You'll see that dwarf perennial yes. or names like hunter or, you know, the specific cultivar names, isn't there? Yes. There's two trains of thought as well, because a lot of people, if they decide, oh, I need a new lawn, it must need re-turfing. A lot of people think that's the that's the, the, the number one route to achieving a new lawn. Um but we, I have to have lots of discussion with people to say, well, let, let's work out why the lawn has deteriorated in the first place. And it might not be the type of grass that was on it. It might be the, the root zone or the situation that that particular lawn was growing in. So if you want to grow a new lawn, then you can go to, for turf or you could go for grass seed. The problem is with a lot of the, um, the turf growing companies, they do supply a lot of turf with a lot of fescue in it. Um, I think primarily because it holds the turf together better and makes it easier to roll up and, and distribute. But as soon as you have a new turf laid that's mainly a fescue type grass, then you have the ongoing problems of how to deal with it. Um, so to, to sow a, new, a lawn where you can actually choose the varieties of grass, be them sort of dwarf perennial ryegrasses and a little bit of fescue, you've got a much better choice to achieve a better lawn that would suit your situation better. And you also need to check on the openness of the site. I mean, if it's got a bit of shade in, then you would be choosing different kinds of grasses. Yes, I mean, ryegrass is quite a hungry grass in terms of its need for light. So I'd probably be suggesting if you were sort of sowing some grass where it was a shadier site, you would go for a perennial ryegrass mix just because you get a much better speed of establishment. But I would also mix in with that some other types of fescue grasses which are more suited to surviving shadier conditions but i find it's not always the shade that is the issue sometimes it's just very dry in shady conditions because the rainfall never gets down to the soil because the, the tree canopy is absorbing it before it falls to the ground so sometimes it's it is the shade but a lot of times it's the fact that it, it's also very dry under trees now if um i was sowing a new lawn uh, I would traditionally do it, I suppose, ideally in September, early October, or again in March, April. But uh, I hear recently that one Richard Salmon is suggesting that I wait for a bit of snow forecast and then <laughs> scatter my seed, which will then get snowed on. Well, <laughs> I mean, that sounds like heresy, doesn't it? It's not out of the question, but to put the record straight, I think if you were sort of devising a lawn care calendar, you wouldn't automatically pencil in sow grass seed in December as your number one choice. I think what you alluded to there was 
the optimum time really for growing grass seed is when the soil is warm, probably above 10 degrees. There's plenty of moisture around. So your sort of September, October timing is spot on because that's when the soil will have warmth from the summer. It probably won't be going into a really hot, dry situation. So there won't be too much of a watering issue and it will germinate and produce a really good lawn within a matter of weeks. But if circumstances meant that you weren't able to sow that lawn in September, October, and the next opportunity you thought was March, you've only got to look back towards or what March or April was like in, in 2021, where we had a frost every night in April. We didn't, we didn't get a drop of rain during April. So whatever grass seed you'd have sown then would not have germinated. Whereas if you'd have sown it the previous December, you would probably have got a head start and that lawn that you sowed in December thinking, well, this won't take because it's too late in the year, you'd be really surprised at how much of that grass seed will germinate to give you a basis for your lawn for next year, which you could always then top up with a bit more seed in sort of March, April, May, when, it, when the conditions were warmer and wetter again. And what sort of rates of application should we use? Well, generally we're talking sort of 35 grams per square metre, but I think if you are looking at... Um, far from ideal conditions, then I would always up that rate maybe to 50 to 60 grams per square metre, but no more than that. Potentially, if you get a good germination, it'll become too competitive with each other and you might get damping off where the grass seed is grown too close together and is more prone to getting disease. But certainly, I would up the rate to about 50 to 60 grams if sowing it in less favourable conditions in favourable conditions like we saw this autumn that we've just gone by where it was really warm there was plenty of moisture in the ground then sort of 25 to 35 is more than sufficient for perennial ryegrass which does tiller um, quite profusely. Yeah and then once we have got our lawn down average uh, home conditions there'll be a bit of wear possibly with uh, kids running about and all that kind mm. of stuff can you give us a few sort of words of advice on what we should do so let, let's assume then we've sown a lawn um the, the autumn that just gone by so september october we had some ideal conditions we sowed our mixture of dwarf perennial ryegrass with a bit of fescue in it and it starts to emerge once it's sort of sort of two to three inches long that would be the optimum time then to to run the mower over it just on a high cut not only will it encourage more tillering, i.e. producing more side shoots. So it's, it's like pruning a tree. If you prune the top of a tree, it will produce more side shoots below where you've pruned it. And the same thing happens with grass. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to encourage that grass to thicken out because when you sow it, it won't look like a thick lawn that you'd expect because a lawn grows to one leaf, two leaf, and then it produces a tiller, which then produces three leaves and so on and so forth. So this, this grass plant branches out to produce this thick sward that you want and mowing does encourage that. The other thing you will have to consider is it will probably need some sort of feed, depending on what soil type you've got and whether you put down the fertiliser at the time that you sowed it. But certainly put, it, put a base feed down, not too high in nitrogen when you're first sowing the grass. And that would just be enough just to help that young seed, which doesn't have much in the way of food reserves, just to sort of get it started and get it established and get a decent root system established. But of course, within any soil, there's millions of dormant weed seeds that are also vying for competition with your grass. So as well as the grass growing, you will find there'll be other broadleaf weeds, such as chickweed, growing through the grass. You can spray a selective herbicide on it, a weed control product, which will only take out the broadleaf weeds, but won't actually affect your grass. But you have to wait for sort of at least two to three months after sowing before you can do that until the grass is hardy enough to take that herbicide. We've been in this house, what, 50 years, I suppose. 
The first sowing was with just one of the new perennial rye, and I sowed that in November just to see whether it would germinate quite late, and it did pretty well. After 25 years, the lawn really wasn't suitable for somebody who was writing about lawn care on occasions. (laughs) And so we took the... We took the whole lot up, you know, dug dug the soil, dug the turf in, because the turf, you know, was really nice and fibrous, and then reseeded it. But, of course, next spring I'll need to give it some sort of remedial treatment. So what should I do next spring? Let's go just before next spring. Let's assume that this winter is going to be wet and, and mild, like we tend to get at English winters tend to be. You're probably going to have a bit of a moss issue. Now, I would much prefer you did the moss control before the start of the spring growth. And and the reason I would like to see that is because if you let moss get too strong and then you wait too late before doing your moss treatment, then you'll find that you're you're preventing that grass from tillering, which I mentioned is a really important part of a grass life cycle. It wants to thicken out and produce lots of side shoots. If there's lots of moss there competing with that grass, it's not going to be able to thicken out. So I think if you do a moss control sometime over the winter months, um, either with like a lawn sand type product, which is which, which is a ferrous sulfate intermixed with sand, and the sand acts as the carrier to, to spread it with your fertilizer spreader over the lawn, or you can spray iron sulfate as a liquid product product to take out or blacken the moss so that once again that just takes the moss out of the equation and then stops that moss competing with the grass so that's just slightly ahead of what you're asking me there Peter it's doing the moss control in the winter so you got the moss control out of the way and I, I think of spring really from mid-February onwards I know um, traditionally we think of sort of March April is spring but I'm finding with mild winters um, and the maritime climate that we've got grass tend to stop growing probably in January and it starts to want to grow again in February as the day length increases. So from sort of mid-February onwards, you can consider then applying a a spring fertiliser. Once again, not too high in nitrogen, but just something just to sort of help repair some damage over the winter and to help that grass sort of take up the nutrients that it needs to to produce that thick sward that you're looking for. Uh, Would it be sensible to add a little fresh seed then? Depends on what's happened to that lawn over the winter. If it's a lawn that's sort of heavily used by pets in the winter or your children have been out playing football on it then then it probably would make sense to um, walk around the areas and find out where there's a sort of heavy wear areas you can then either um, scatter some seed over the surface and then cover with a light dressing of, of sieve topsoil or if you have an aeration machine which not everybody has an aeration machine but create lots of sort of spike holes over the lawn and then when you do scatter the grass seed over the lawn any seed that lands in one of those holes it will germinate it's almost like its own individual grow cell so it's got a much better chance of germinating by putting grass into in actually into the soil and lying on the surface which then might be taken by birds or it might be so dry it doesn't germinate for a while. So Richard what's the most common question that you have to face? What's the mistake most people make when it comes to caring for lawns? I think the most common mistake is that people that have or recognise what good grass looks like i.e on their golf course or their bowling green and they want their back lawn to look like their golf course. So the biggest problem that I see is people trying to cut their grass too short. They're probably the mower isn't capable of cutting the grass as short as they want it, and the type of grass they've got in their lawn probably doesn't like being cut as short as they're trying to cut it. So scalping a lawn is not the way forward. You haven't got to cut it any more often 
if you cut leave it a bit longer but leave, never cut your lawn shorter than sort of 25 mil sort of about an inch inch and a half you won't have to cut it any more often but it will look a lot better if you leave it a bit longer what happens if we get very coarse grasses becoming established in patches yeah well the coarse grasses they, they're they're the sort of grasses that don't mind dry conditions so you'll often find if there's been a very dry spell of weather where your traditional ryegrass or fescue lawn has sort of almost given up the ghost and doesn't like the conditions that then gives the opportunity for broadleaf grasses such as brome such as coxfoot those type of grasses which are really coarse and, and don't look very pleasant they can then start to take over the grass two things you can do you could get a fork on a, on a nice damp day and you can sort of tease out the whole plant by sort of loosening the soil around it and pulling that clump of grass out refilling that hole with soil and then sowing it with with a grass which which matches your existing lawn or if for example you were going to have your lawn scarified just prior to that you could walk around that a garden and spray it with with glyphosate the uh, trade name being roundup and spray off those patches so then when you scarify your You've got those dead patches of grass that you don't want in there because you're going to replace that because you're going to oversow it with with a, a new grass seed during your renovation process anyway. So those are the, my, my two two ideas would be dig them out or or spray them and, and scarify. Richard, all very useful advice. So clearly and succinctly put too, if, if I might say. I see that uh, you are a lawn care training consultant. Well, now who do you train? A variety of people. I've trained um, ex-London cab drivers, um, ex-policemen, uh, anybody that wants to get into lawn care that doesn't really know quite how to go about it. Um, there is opportunities for me to at least guide them down the right route. My background is I've either been an agronomist advising farmers on growing crops or advising greenkeepers on how to look after their golf courses better. And the last 20 years, I've been running a lawn care business. Um, so I've got a fair bit of experience on uh, what is required and, and uh, I've made lots of mistakes along the way so when I do train somebody I can say yes this is how I would suggest you do it not how I did it back in 1999 or whatever <laughs> when I was still learning <laughs> increasingly a lot of people wanted to start up on their own and I can help them do that just advise them and be on hand for for many years afterwards just to sort of help them across sort of hurdles that they come across that they, they didn't know that they didn't know so what I find with people that come for training and increasingly I get a lot of people that are in the gardening industry who are gardeners that are finding it quite hard work and there's a, there's a ceiling as to what they can earn per day charging an hourly rate and then they see a lawn care company coming into their properties that they're gardening on and charging x pounds for a fertilizer treatment and, and want a bit of that action so what I'm finding is increasingly more gardeners are coming to me saying, can I add lawn care as part of my offering for my gardening services? So usually within two or three days, I can tell them an awful lot that would help them be able to offer technically uh, a good lawn care service to their customers. And Richard, how do they make contact with you then? Yeah, so if anybody is looking to be trained or wants to learn more about how to get into lawn care, they can visit my website, which is uh, prolawncareuk.com. And I do offer a number of services from people who know nothing about lawn care, which is a startup training, or people who are already in the gardening industry who just want a lawn care improver training course. Um, so that that's that's the sort of service I can offer. And it's bespoke. I train either one to two people at a time. I have 
trained up to four if, if they were in similar situations. But generally, it's either one-to-one or one-to-two training that I offer. And generally, the length of the course is, is two days for somebody who's a gardener who, who knows a fair bit anyway, but just wants guiding and pushing in the right direction. Or it could be up to eight days if there's somebody who knows completely nothing about lawn care, which would involve classroom work and going out in the van doing lawn care treatments scarifications, aerations, and sort of almost like the, the, a, a typical year's worth of lawn care in, in two or three days. Richard, it's been fascinating chatting to you, and I think we might uh, be rude enough to uh, ask for a little support in the future. So much needs to be done to improve uh, the nation's lawns. Thank you for today. That's all right. The end piece, a quote from Gertrude Schickel. In her book, Home and Garden, are the people happier who are content to drift comfortably down the stream of life, to take things easily, not to want to take pains? I only know that to my own mind and conscience, pure idleness seems to me akin to folly, and that in some form or the other, I must obey the divine command. Work while ye have the light. Pretty good uh, New Year's resolution, perhaps. Although I have to tell you that I was glad today when the lack of light drove me indoors and out of that biting cold northeasterly wind. Look forward to chatting again next week. My thanks to this week's sponsor, Warfield Plants, Hollyhead Road, Wolverhampton. To my producer, Rich Jarman, and to you for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.